Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Hello and welcome to the WHBY News Year in Review special for 2023. I'm Woodward Community Media Director of Multimedia Journalism, Jonathan Krause. Over the next two hours, AM Fox Valley News anchor Landon Moore, Your News Now anchor Terry Kavarik, and I will bring you the biggest stories from the year gone by in a month-by-month recap. To get us started, here's Landon Moore with the top stories from January. Thank you, Jonathan, and Happy New Year to everyone. 2023 opened with the city of Appleton welcoming a new police chief. I had the story on WHBY that day. Polly Olson was sworn in as the city's first female police chief on Tuesday. Olson has been with the Appleton Police Department since 2001 and worked her way up to assistant chief. She says she is proud to represent the agency as the first female police chief. I've been asked many times in the last few months, how does it feel to be the first female police chief? I want this achievement to serve as an example for young girls and give them a stronger sense of purpose. They, too, can one day become the chief of police. Olson takes over for Todd Thomas, who has retired. Thomas had served as chief the last eight years. In Appleton, I'm Landon Moore, WHBY News. Early January also saw Governor Tony Evers take the oath of office for his second term. Evers believes his election victory was a statement for democracy in Wisconsin. This past November, Wisconsin rejected a a trajectory bent towards permanently undermining the tenets and institutions that are fundamental to who we are as a people. Wisconsin rejected a rhetoric born out of apathy and animosity towards our neighbor. And Wisconsin rejected a return to the bitter politics of of resentment. Given the opportunity to abandon the virtues that define us, Wisconsinites chose to embrace a better history. Evers also challenged lawmakers to provoke the state's law banning abortions and to increase funding for various social and educational programs. The cold winter weather in January forced the Winnebago County Board to sign off on an emergency order to staff and operate the day-by-day warming shelter in Oshkosh. County Executive John Damel issued the order right before Christmas after the shelter announced it was closing its doors for at least two weeks due to staffing issues. Supervisor Stephen Binder of Oshkosh says the shelter needed to stay open at this time of year. People have to have a place to go. They're not like trash. You don't throw them away. We have to work and we have to solve the solution. And it may take county dollars to run that day-by-day warming shelter at times. We don't shut the door because there's no volunteers. We figure a way to, to make it work. Supervisor Paul Eisen of Menasha, while supporting the emergency order, questioned if day-by-day can remain viable long-term. My concern is entrusting this organization that has no demonstrated emergency operating plan for a 25-bed facility with aspirations of operating a $5.5 million facility with 50 to 60 beds year-round. The original emergency order was extended into February to keep day-by-day open. The city of Menasha also welcomed a new police chief in January. Nicholas Thorne believes officers need to be part of their community. We'll be furthering the police department's community engagement activities with our citizens and businesses to continue to build upon the transparency that we have established with them. I'm looking forward to a collective and collaborative effort with our citizens, the Common Council, our department heads, and our staff with the goal of keeping Menasha 
an enticing place to live, work, and enjoy. Thorne succeeded retired Chief Tim Stiko. In mid-January, an independent investigation found the Wapaka County Sheriff's Office did nothing wrong in amending incident reports without informing prosecutors or defense attorneys. The issue came to light in a case involving a traffic stop and search by sheriff's deputies last year. Former District Attorney Veronica Isherwood accused the Sheriff's Office of violating the law and putting cases at risk by not disclosing the changes and called the State Department of Justice to investigate. Sheriff Tim Wills asked for a third party to handle the probe, and it was turned over to the Outagamie County District Attorney's Office. Assistant D. Randy Schneider says he found no evidence of wrongdoing on the part of either the Sheriff's Office or the Wapaka County District Attorney. January also saw the downtown Appleton YMCA get their parking ramp back after reconstruction. Wise spokesperson Sue Pawlowski says they missed that convenience. We do have some opportunities for local community people to buy a parking pass and that type of thing as well, but it's been a long time coming, and we're really excited. As excited as you can be for a parking ramp to open, right? The old YMCA ramp was torn down in the fall of 2021. Construction on the new ramp was put on hold for about a month in early April of 2022 after a section of floor collapsed. In January, the Department of Natural Resources announced the removal of PCBs from the Lower Fox River is done. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency completed its review and certified the process was complete. PCBs were dredged from the river and Lower Green Bay for 17 years, ending in 2020. Crews removed 6 million cubic yards of sediment from a 39-mile stretch of the Fox at a cost of $1 billion. Three paper companies were ordered by the courts to foot the bill, Georgia Pacific, Glatfelter, and NCR, all of whom own the facilities where the PCBs were dumped into the river as part of the manufacturing of carbonless copy paper in the 1950s through the 1970s. A fire in the town of Lawrence in mid-January destroyed the offices of a nonprofit agency. The loss of the Mocked Village Program's facility forced some parents to find alternative services for their children. Kayla Valdez's son used Mocked services and was unsure where families will go from here. Families who don't have a child full-time out of Mocked Village or who are not part of the school district. I mean, I really just don't know what their next steps are, but I do fully trust the program that is Mocked Village, that they're going to come together real quick because they are such a staple our community and they know how significant their program is. Mott Village Programs was able to relocate a few months later. January also saw developers unveil big plans for a downtown Appleton bank building. WHBY's Jonathan Krauss had the details. Lofgren Properties 6 and Oshkosh Investment Corp. recently purchased the Chase Bank building in the 200 block of West College Avenue. Economic Development Specialist Matt Rabine says the group has ambitious plans for that site. The top two floors has been vacant for quite a while. What he's looking at doing here is creating residential on the top two floors. There will be 24 residential units and Chase has signed a lease for a portion of the first floor. The remainder he's working to secure a commercial tenant and then on the lower level he's thinking of some sort of entertainment type venue down there. Lofgren Properties estimates the value of the redevelopment at $6.1 million. They're asking the city for up to $745,000 in tax incremental financing for the project, which would have to be completed by the end of 2024. In Appleton, Jonathan Krauss, WHBY News. A mid-January disturbance at Merrill Middle School in Oshkosh resulted in criminal charges against members of a family. Charlotte Fletcher was among a group of adults who showed up at Merrill upset that a student was the subject of disciplinary action. The police liaison officer claimed that when he went to the door to allow the girl to leave with the group. The adults forced their way in, made threats against school staff, and started physical altercations. Five adults and one juvenile were arrested. Fletcher was also the subject of restraining order requests by two teachers at Merrill. 
In mid-January, the city of Nina ordered homeowners to take down yard signs opposing the rezoning of Shattuck Middle School. The conservative legal group Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty demanded the city rescind notices of violations and threats of daily fines issued to more than 100 property owners. Deputy Counsel Dan Lennington says Nina does not have the power based on a 2015 Supreme Court ruling to ban yard signs based on their content. The First Amendment violation, people have a right to uh, express their opinion, especially on political matters. And this is sort of a core belief the fundamental right in our Constitution is that people get to display signs and petition their government and speak freely. And the city of Nina is trampling all over that constitutional right. Will is advising one couple that it is working with to keep up their yard sign and to take Nina to federal court. In January, a Grand Chute Motel had its operator's license revoked. The town board voted unanimously to revoke the license of the roadway inn on West Hill Boulevard. Police Chief Greg Peterson says there have been a number of issues at that motel. We've had a lot of drug issues. Uh, there have been uh, a lot of disturbances, uh, domestic violence calls. We've had a number of overdoses over there, both fatal overdoses and uh, non-fatal overdoses. Ranchi police say they responded to 240 calls for service at the Roadway Inn between January 1st and October 15th of 2022. In late January, the city of Appleton went back to the drawing board after initial bids for the library project came in $14 million more than the initial budget amount. Facilities Director Dean Gasseth thought that they would get more bids and lower bids the second time around. It went back to really being too busy and just too much work in the market and not enough labor. And so as we see projects easing and as we make our way 23 into 24, so we're hopeful that uh, things will definitely improve. The new library design featured about 15,000 square feet less space with more rooms serving multiple purposes. Also gone was a planned children's garden. The end of January saw the Menasha Joint School District in need of a new leader. I had the story. Chris Vanderheiden is retiring after 35 years in education and 10 as Menasha superintendent. He says he is proud to have worked with many people to help further education in Menasha. I'm proud to have had the opportunity to work with the staff and administrators here in this district, the school board members. Uh, the community has been very supportive of education here in Menasha, and it really has just been a great privilege to uh, get a chance to work here. Vander Heiden adds that he will spend his remaining time as superintendent working on the Maplewood Middle School project, which involves replacing the school with a new one on the existing site. He will also assist in the hiring process for the next superintendent. His last day will be June 30th. In Menasha, I'm Landon Moore, WHBY News. In late January, the city of Appleton announced plans to put a section of College Avenue on a road diet. It called for restriping College Avenue to create a middle lane to be used for left turns and designated bike lanes. Traffic engineer Eric Lom says three lanes could reduce noise complaints about drag racing from pedestrians and outdoor diners. If you're going to reduce drag racing and you're going to reduce speeds, you're going to reduce noise. But certainly there's some level of traffic noise that would go down and that benefits the pedestrians, creates a better environment for sitting and trying to have lunch on the amenity strip and not having to scream at the person across from you. The restriping project is part of a pilot program to be reviewed next year. Trial got underway in late January for a former Oshkosh West High School student accused of stabbing a police resource officer. Grant Furman was charged in Winnebago County Court with attempted first-degree intentional homicide. Furman allegedly stabbed Officer Mike Wissink with a barbecue fork in his school office back in December of 2019. Wissink took the stand and said that Furman came into his office asking him to look something up. A short time later, Wissink described an out-of-body experience of being confused and in pain. As I'm sitting in my chair, I start to turning it up and I start feeling more pain, like blows raining down on the top of my head or my head area. Do you realize what's happening at this point? Well, then I'm able to turn and get up and I see Mr. Furman.
the trial would extend into February. Those were the top stories in the month of January. Our year in review special continues now with Terry Kavark in the month of February. Thank you, Landon, and Happy New Year to everyone. In early February, the Winnebago County Sheriff's Department announced it would no longer be policing major highways in urban areas. The department informed police departments they would have to handle such duties along Interstate 41, Highways 441, 45, and 10. The transition to local jurisdiction would begin in April. Sheriff's deputies still provide backup and support for police officers for incidents along those highways. The Outagamie and Brown County Sheriff's Department had previously made the same changes. After a two-week trial that started in January, a former Oshkosh West High School student who stabbed a police resource officer was found guilty of attempted first-degree intentional homicide. It took a Winnebago County jury just three hours of deliberation to return the verdict against Grant Furman. Furman's mother, Tina Kintoff, became emotional after that verdict was read. I hope you see my son's face every single day when you find Furman stabbed Officer Mike Wissink with a barbecue fork in Wissink School Office in December of 2019. Sentencing was set for May. February saw a member of the Winnebago County Board stripped of his committee assignments after using his county-issued iPad to access porn. Supervisor Mike Norton of Oshkosh was the subject of a complaint and external investigation after posting screenshots of his iPad on Facebook to show the upcoming agendas for county board meetings. But those screenshots also showed open tabs of adult content websites. Constituent Christine Whitty wanted Norton removed from the board. Anyone could and would likely be fired for something of this nature. I know a teacher would. Why should a county supervisor be an exception? He's supposed to represent my district and everyone in it. This includes children and the elderly. County Board Chairman Tom Egan, who stripped Norton of his committee assignments and banned him from using the county iPad for the rest of his term, says he does not have the power to kick someone off the board. It's up to the people that elect these people to go ahead and do what they will, whatever they want. I'm not saying whether they should or shouldn't. Everyone makes mistakes, and this was one had promises, this and that, back and forth, and whether they fall through or not. Norton represented the 20th district on the south side of Oshkosh. Controversy erupted at Green Bay City Hall in mid-February after the discovery of secret audio recording devices in public areas of the building. Alderman Christopher Weary raised the issue at Green Bay City Council meetings after learning about the installation of the microphones. In a flagrant flaunting of federal and state law and direct defiance of our own city policy, audio recording devices are present at City Hall. City Council nor the public was advised of this spying, and not even simple signage warning of the intrusion was put in place. Nothing. Weary demanded that Mayor Eric Genrick disable the recording devices until the city council had a chance to vote on their use. The mayor refused. Late February saw a Green Bay woman accused of killing and dismembering a man attack her attorney in court. Taylor business was in Brown County Court for a competency hearing when she punched defense attorney Quinn Jolly. She was quickly wrestled to the ground by a deputy. The attack came after the judge indicated he was going to delay Shabiznis' March 6th trial. According to the criminal complaint, Shabiznis choked Shad Theory into death during sex, cut up his body, and hid parts around his mother's home back in February of 2022. Jolly then asked to withdraw from the case. A link to the video of the attack can be found on our website, whby.com. A major blow for the Oshkosh Corporation in late February when the Pentagon announced it would no longer contract with the company to build joint light tactical vehicles. The second round of contracts would go instead to AM General starting in 2025. Oshkosh CEO John Pfeiffer says they were not interested in trying to match the new price. Of course, it was disappointing. But I will also tell you that when we saw the price that the contract was awarded at, we were not interested in supplying that vehicle 
at that level of price. Pfeiffer expects Oshkosh Corp. will initially feel the economic effect of losing the $8.7 billion JLTV contract in 2024, with the major impact coming in 2025. We need to take a break. When the WHBY News Gear and Review returns, Jonathan Krauss will have the biggest stories from the month of March. Welcome back to the WHBY News Year in Review special. I'm Jonathan Krause. We'll resume our look back at 2023 with the major events in the month of March. In early March, the State Department of Transportation chose the design it wanted for the new Jackson and Oregon Street Bridge in Oshkosh. The department wants to build a high-level fixed bridge on a partial offset to replace the current drawbridge over the Fox River. Common Council Member Mike Ford applauded that decision. Honestly, it was the only realistic decision. If we would have gone with the rehab option, we would have gotten maybe 25 years at most out of the, uh, the bridge, and we would have been in a situation where we were trying to replace it. At the same time, we had to redo the Main Street Bridge. The design will allow for business access on both sides of the river, which was a concern raised by city officials. Construction on the new bridge is scheduled for 2027. The city of Green Bay was ordered to turn off microphones and recording devices in City Hall in early March. Brown County Judge Mark Hammer issued a temporary injunction putting an end to the practice while they considered a lawsuit filed by State Senator Andre Jacques against Mayor Eric Genrick. Attorneys for the city tried to argue that signs had been put up in public areas warning people they were being recorded, but Judge Hammer believed that was not enough. I think it would be naive for us to assume today that most of us don't think when we leave the house, people are watching. I think that to be true. I don't think it's true that when we leave the house, people in our community think people are listening. City officials claim the microphones and recording devices were installed two years ago following incidents of verbal abuse against municipal employees. Also in March, the city of Nina reversed course on a proposal that would have changed the way the Common Council votes on zoning changes. The initial agenda for the Plan Commission meeting that month featured an ordinance change that would have eliminated the requirement of a three-quarters majority of the council to approve zoning change request where 20% of the residents in the area had filed a petition of opposition. That requirement derailed the effort to rezone the Shattuck Middle School property for a housing development opposed by some of the neighbors late last year. After WHBY News called the Nina Community Development Department for comment on the agenda item the day before the meeting, a revised agenda was posted removing the ordinance change request. In mid-March, the candidates for Winnebago County judge sparred over performance and public perception. Judge Scott Wolt was being opposed by former Judge Lakeisha Hayes. Last year, Wolt was suspended for a week by the state Supreme Court following complaints about his actions on the bench, a point brought up by Hayes. The Supreme Court has spoken. They sent us a blaring, blaring message of the expectations that we as a community should have by our judiciary. Blaring message. And when they sent that message, that was action that they were calling on for us to vote for someone who maintains the integrity of the court, that can meet the expectations that we all have. Hayes was appointed to the bench by Governor Tony Evers to replace a retired judge, but failed to win the election a few years later, which Walt pointed out. Well, the voters of this county, when she was a judge, have spoken. They voted her out. After that, she applied for, those, for two of those court commissioner judges, the ones that became judges. Notice she's not a court commissioner. She didn't get the job. The judges decide who was the court commissioner. She didn't get the job. The candidate's forum was hosted by the League of Women Voters. Mid-March also saw the Green Bay City Council vote to remove recording devices in City Hall and destroy all recording data pending the outcome of ongoing litigation. The council also passed an ordinance amendment giving them authority over recording devices. Brown County Judge Mark Hammer had issued a temporary injunction ordering a stop to recording of people in public areas of City Hall. During the council meeting that night, Green Bay resident Justin Schmidtka had this to say to Mayor Eric Genrich. Mr. Mayor, you are not above the law. 
but you have acted above the law. In many ways, you can, you can deny, you can shake your head, but the reality is the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution uh, is, is set in stone. It's, it's written in iron pen, and, and you violated that. City officials said the devices were installed two years ago following incidents of verbal abuse against municipal employees. The Menasha Joint School District did not go too far outside the Fox Valley to find its next superintendent in mid-March. Appleton Area School District Assistant Superintendent Matthew Zimmerman was selected to lead the Menasha District. Zimmerman had been with Appleton Schools since 2011. He replaced Christopher Hyden, who retired after 10 years with the district. In late March, Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford unveiled new designs for the remodeling of the downtown library building after initial plans came in tens of millions of dollars over budget. Director Colleen Rortvet said they were getting ready to go for a new round of bids. We've been working with SOM and Bolt to get uh, the documents prepared We're looking at uh, later April timing for completion of that. Internally, staff are going to be taking another look back through the furniture. Now that things are rearranged, we're not redoing all of that work. We're more just kind of honing in on what makes sense now with the new layouts. Library officials still hope to break ground on the remodeling project in the fall. In late March, Aaron Rodgers said his days in Green Bay were done. In an appearance on the Pat McAfee show, Rodgers confirmed a trade deal with the New York Jets was in the works and that the Packers did not want him back. Because I love direct communication. If they had just said, listen, we think it's time to move in a different direction, and we love you, and you're, you're going to be a Packer Hall of Famer, you're going to go in the hall as a Packer, we're going to, you know, retire your number, whatever it might be, you know, but it's time to move on. I would have said, man, thank you so much just for telling me that. Like, I really, really appreciate that. That means the world to me that you would, that you would, uh, you would tell me that. Because I really believe that's a sentiment, and that's fine. It really is. It's totally fine. This is a, this is a, an incredible profession, but it's a tough business. Rogers added that the only holdup in the trade was what the Packers were demanding in return from the Jets. An effort was launched in March to do away with no mo May in Appleton. Alder Chad Dorn introduced a resolution that called into question the research paper published by fellow Alder Israel Del Toro, an associate professor of biology at Lawrence University, which claimed more bees were found in local yards that did not cut their grass for the month. That study was retracted by the website that first published it, Pure J, citing issues with the research methods and discrepancies in data collected in the field and data presented in the study. Doran said that warrants repeal of no mill may. The fact that the, the study was retracted really speaks to the fact that the science that was claimed to support this really doesn't isn't there. And aside from that, other experts that I've reached out to the couple times this has come before council over the two years that I've been part of the city council have explained very clearly to me that long grass really makes no difference whatsoever in helping bees. WHBY News reached out to Alder Del Toro, who sent a written response that he would address the retraction of his study at a Municipal Services Committee meeting, but that was delayed for several months. A shocking double murder rocked the Wolf River area in late March. Sheriff's deputies discovered David and Jan Metzig shot to death in their home during a welfare check. The Metzigs were owners of the Union Star Cheese Factory in Fremont. Their son, Eric Metzig, was arrested later that day at the Heart of the Valley YMCA in Kimberley. Assistant District Attorney Adam Levine asked for a high bail based on a jury journal kept by Metzig in which he wrote about killing his parents. Discovery suggests... Uh... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Writings showing pre-meditation to uh, kill his parents. Some discussion of a potential inheritance uh, and the uh, belief that he is a flight risk uh, if he were to be out. The judge ordered a $1 million cash bond for Eric Metzig. He faces life in prison if convicted. Those were the top stories in the region for the month of March. Now with a look back at April, here's Landon Moore. Thanks again, Jonathan. April opened with confusion over a concert at the Leach Amphitheater. The owners of the Oshkosh Arena had announced that Train and Better Than Ezra would be playing at the Leach August 6th, but city manager Mark Roloff said they never heard anything from the arena group as to actually booking the facility for that date. We made some inquiries, got very little feedback, and so we were concerned that as time was going on, tickets were being sold mm-hmm. without, uh, without something being booked. It's like, how can we be party to something that... We don't know if it's even going to happen because right. we had received nothing. Eventually, the promoters of the concert secured that date to use the facility. One of the sticking points was a $46,000 past due bill for police and emergency services at the arena during the Wisconsin herd season. The state Supreme Court election in April was the most expensive campaign in state history and produced a result that would flip the majority from conservative to liberal. Judge Janet Protasiewicz defeated former Justice Dan Kelly in a race that saw accusation of prejudgment of cases that might go before the court. Put aside the extremism and to have an impartial court and a court that makes decisions based on the law not on a political agenda. Kelly was anything but gracious in defeat. And I wish Wisconsin the best of luck, because I think it's going to need it. Protostawitz's investiture later in the year produced a number of lawsuits challenging things like legislative maps, abortion bans, and the legality of Act 10. The April municipal elections brought some new leadership to the Fox Valley. Oshkosh Deputy Mayor Matt Mugerauer was promoted to mayor by voters. Mugerauer defeated fellow council member Aaron Wojciechowski with 53% of the vote. Mugerauer believes voters were looking for consistency in city leadership. Uh, it boils down to you know, the consistent leadership over the last five years. The, the message still resonates with many voters here in Oshkosh, and we get to keep moving Oshkosh forward, and I'm so appreciative that I get to be uh, to play a part in, in the next uh, two years of this council. and in shaping Oshkosh and, and just keeping us moving forward. Outagamie County voters returned incumbent County Executive Tom Nelson to office for a fourth term. Nelson took 56% of the vote to fend off a challenge by former County Supervisor Kevin Stern. Nelson admits this race was more of a challenge, though he believes the progress being made by Outagamie County registered with voters. I think that was important for voters to have a choice. I think that we have had a strong record, whether it's a declining tax rate, uh, maintain a AAA bond rating, fully fund our services, and build good and tough economic time. Eternally grateful to the voters here in Nottingham County, not once, not twice, but four times. After a salty campaign, Winnebago County Judge Scott Walt held onto his seat on the bench. Walt beat former Judge Lakeisha Hayes. Walt was suspended one week last year by the state Supreme Court for complaints about his conduct on the bench, which included showing a gun to students in his courtroom. Green Bay voters gave incumbent Mayor Eric Genrick a second four-year term. Genrick narrowly bested Brown County Director of Administration Chad Weininger with 53% of the vote. In his victory speech to supporters, Genrick credited his win to his commitment to voters' economic and social concerns. This campaign, you know, was really about sort of bread and butter issues, right? Making investments in our infrastructure, our roads and bridges, in our public safety, in community and economic development all across the city of Green Bay. 
but it's really about opening up doors for everyone in this community to thrive and to succeed. And that's what I'm going to do for all of you for the next four years. The election did bring some complaints from poll observers that claimed Green Bay City Clerk Celestine Jeffries started counting absentee ballots before the time that had been posted for public notice. In early April, a Winnebago County board member who had been embroiled in controversy died. Oshkosh police were called to perform a welfare check on Supervisor Mike Norton and found him deceased in his residence. Norton had recently been stripped of his committee assignments on the board after he posted screenshots of board agendas on his Facebook page that showed open taps for porn sites like OnlyFans. County Board Chairman Tom Egan also took away Norton's county-issued iPad. Norton had served on the Winnebago County Board for 23 years. His death was not considered suspicious. In mid-April, the Appleton Common Council voted to keep no Mo May. A resolution from Alder Chad Doran pointed to fellow Alder Israel Del Toro's retraction of an article that claimed longer grass benefits bees and other pollinators. That article resulted in the creation of No Mo May. Doran says some expert opinions show limited impact of longer grass. I think there are other ways that um, groups that support pollinators could uh, continue to push this program. Uh, maybe they want to purchase some seed packets of flowers and hand them out to anyone in the community that wants them. I've reached out to experts that I presented to this council and that say there is at best a negligible benefit to allowing your grass to grow four inches longer. Del Toro defended his research but has not yet published a revised report. Also in April, a federal judge granted a preliminary injunction blocking the city of Nina from fining homeowners who were keeping signs in their yards opposing the rezoning of the Shattuck Middle School property. Tim and Megan Florick filed the lawsuit after receiving a notice from the city to remove their signs or face daily fines. The conservative legal group, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, argued the signed ordinance violated the First Amendment. Earlier in the year, Nina officials announced that they would voluntarily suspend enforcement of the yardside ordinance and not issue any fines. Late April saw two of the largest health systems in Wisconsin announce a merger. ThetaCare and Freighter plan to combine organizations. The two had started working together on new medical facilities, including micro-hospitals in downtown Oshkosh and in Fond du Lac. ThetaCare President and CEO Dr. Imran Andravi says that led to exploration of a merger. Those are the kinds of things that you're looking for in terms of the mission, the vision, the values, the principles that enable you to see are these the people that you're going to be able to really work with in the long run and create that lasting impact. And I would say we found the right match. After the merger, Freighter Health President and CEO Kathy Jacobson will initially assume the role of CEO, while Dr. Andrabi will serve as president. After a six-month transition period, Jacobson will retire, and Dr. Andrabi will assume the role of president and CEO of the combined organization. Jacobson says the location of the new headquarters has not been determined. I can tell you for sure it's in Wisconsin. And that's the most important thing. I think that you're hearing that over and over again, that this is a Wisconsin-based, Wisconsin-led organization going forward. And, and we'll figure out the details about corporate headquarters later, but most of all, it's going to be right here in Wisconsin. The ThetaCare Freighted Merger becomes official on January 1st. Toward the end of April, the Grand Shootown Board voted to hire a Milwaukee law firm to aid in the process of terminating Administrator Jim March. That was despite positive annual performance reviews by the town board. Town Chair Jason Van Eppard said recent information prompted the effort to remove March. Board member Brad Gehring and residents in attendance at a special meeting believed it was prompted by an ongoing ethics investigation by the Department of Justice, which Van Eppard denied. They argued the board not to proceed with March's termination. Don't do this. This is a horrible idea, people. This is a joke. Take, take the flag down because this is Russia. This isn't a democracy. This is a democracy. Okay. Any other discussion? Listen to the people. Ron Wolf, you said it that on your all your flags, you listen to the people. This is a joke. March would eventually be fired and file a wrongful termination lawsuit against the Tom Board members who voted to let him go. 
The end of April brought a date that will live in infamy for Green Bay Packers fans. Aaron Rodgers was traded to the New York Jets. Under the agreement, the Packers would send Rodgers their first-round draft slot in the 2023 draft, number 15, and a fifth-round pick to New York. Green Bay received the Jets' first-round pick at number 13, a sixth-round pick this year, along with a conditional second-round pick in the 2024 draft, which could become a first-round pick for the Packers if Rodgers plays in 65% of the Jets' offensive snaps in the 2023 season. He would suffer a season-ending Achilles tendon injury in the Jets' first game and not reach that mark. And those were the biggest stories of April. After the break, the WHB1 News Year in Review will continue as Terry Gavark looks at the month of May. We were good. We were good. Welcome back to the WHB1 News Year in Review. I'm Terry Gavark. We resume our look back at the biggest stories of the year with the month of May. On the first day of May, a former Oshkosh West student that stabbed a police resource officer was sentenced to 17 years behind bars. Grant Furman was also sentenced in Winnebago County Court to an additional 10 years on extended supervision for attempted first-degree intentional homicide. Furman stabbed Officer Mike Wissink in his school office with a barbecue fork back in December of 2019. Wissink called for the maximum sentence. On December 3rd, 2019, Grant Furman used our good relationship to his advantage and tricked me so that I would turn my back. When I did, he tried to kill me. After today, I'm hoping to turn my back on him forever. Furman's mother, Tina Kintoft, blamed school officials and her son's Adderall prescription for his actions. Others noticed his concerning change of behavior, one being his close teacher who worked with him day in and out, and a mom of a friend. They tried to reach out to the school counselor and other teachers several times to contact me, but they never did. I feel this whole incident could have been avoided. The school let him, myself, and the whole school district down. Furman would receive credit for the three and a half years he'd already spent behind bars awaiting trial. Also in early May, we learned that a Grand Chute Town board member under investigation for not actually living in the town when elected sued the State Department of Justice to block that probe. Ron Wolf and his wife Tina filed the suit in Madison Federal Court back in March of 2022 against Division of Criminal Investigation Special Agent Jay Yergis, his supervisor, Administrator Tina Virgil, 18 other DCI employees, and six members of the Outagamie County Sheriff's Department. Many of the original documents in the case have been sealed, but those that are available to the public include the search warrant that was sealed by an Outagamie County judge shortly after state agents raided Wolf's properties in the town of Nichols and in Grandchute. There are also statements from Yurgis in support of that warrant, where the special agent claims Wolf admitted to not living in Grand Chute when elected and offered to resign his seat. Yurgis adds that he and his partner attended the next town board meeting, where Wolf continued to vote on matters. He was re-elected to the Grand Chute town board this April. The Wolfs originally claimed that the agents used excessive force during the raids, but that claim is being dropped. In what would become a common theme in major construction projects for the year, the Menasha Common Council approved another extension for completion of the Bryn project in May. Community Development Director Sam Schrader said the developers may need until the end of the year to finally complete their work on the apartment complex along Main Street. The south building is underway. The north building is actually a steel building. I was told a week ago that steel was ordered and is purchased, and it is expected to be here by the end of next week. So hopefully uh, that stays on that schedule and that building will start to go up very quickly on the site as well. This was the sixth amendment to Menasha's development agreement with the Bryn LLC. The project was initially delayed by environmental issues at the site of the former theater building that was destroyed by fire, along with delays caused by the pandemic and global supply chain issues. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dialing someone on your phone got a bit more complex in May as Northeast Wisconsin's new area code went active. New lines are now being given a 274 area code. This is an overlay, meaning that all 920 numbers remain active. Calls to the new area code are still considered a local call. The new code was needed as 920 was running out of numbers. In early May, a formal complaint was filed about the process used by the Grand Chute Town Board to fire Administrator Jim March. Former Town Chairman David Showalter filed the complaint with the Outagamie County District Attorney's Office, claiming the agenda posted for the May 2nd meeting where the board voted in closed session to fire March was not properly noticed. They should have used the exemption that clearly states it was for dis- the closed session was for dismissal purposes, and it was not, and uh, therefore the public was not notified properly. And I feel that's very important because the public uh, needs to know what's going on in the town. Showalter asked for a court injunction to put on hold the town board's decision until a court ruling can be made in this case. And the reason for that is that Mr. March won't be terminated for 30 days, so I think it's time sensitive to get this taken care of. No follow-up to Showalter's complaint has been announced publicly. Also in May, a Grand Chute motel was shut down. The Grand Chute Board of Supervisors revoked the license for Roadway Inn on Northwest Hill Boulevard in January. That followed 240 calls for police service between January 1st and October 22nd of 2022 for suspected assaults, prostitution, and illegal drugs. Among the incidents reported were the overdose deaths of two men in August of 2022. During an appeal hearing, the owner of the motel's parent company, Hardeep Singh Aurora, addressed the town's concerns and wanted to move forward. What I have done wrong here in this this community. I'm a small business owner. You know, I, I have employees. I have mortgages. I still have over $2 million mortgage on that property. You want to see me bankrupt? The roadway end continued operating illegally for another couple of weeks before shutting its doors. The Outagamie County Health Department also requested that the motel's operating license be revoked due to sanitary conditions. Mid-May saw a Winnebago County judge previously suspended by the state Supreme Court for his actions on the bench facing another formal complaint. WHBY's Jonathan Kraus had the details. Judge Scott Wolt is accused of threatening defense attorneys that endorsed his opponent in the last election. A complaint filed by Oshkosh attorney Matthew Golden with the Wisconsin Judicial Commission claims he was in attendance with Judge Wolt at a social function at an Oshkosh tavern on April 25th when Wolt accosted him about backing challenger Lakeisha Hayes in last month's election. Golden quotes Walt as saying, quote, he was dead to him and intimated that he would take out his, quote, anger and fury on Golden and his clients. Walt also allegedly asked for the $28,000 he spent on his campaign from Golden and we, quote, be square 
two other public defenders in Oshkosh sign on to the complaint and corroborate Golden's account. Usually, complaints to the Judicial Commission are not released to the public, but this one was included in a motion to have Judge Bolt recuse himself from a criminal traffic case involving a client of Golden. Wolt was suspended for a week without pay by the state Supreme Court in 2021 for showing a gun to students in his courtroom and denigrating a sexual assault victim. You can find a copy of Attorney Golden's complaint on our website, whby.com. In Oshkosh, Jonathan Krauss, WHBY News. An announcement in May made public that the fall would not feature a Fox Cities Book Festival. The group that organizes the event decided to take a hiatus in 2023 in hopes to return in 2024. The Fox Cities Reads program is continued this year with the book selection Bird Box by Josh Millerman. The new day-by-day warming shelter in Oshkosh opened in May. The facility will be able to provide temporary housing for up to 75 people year-round at their new building in the 400 block of CP Avenue. Oshkosh City Manager Mark Roloff says it will meet a growing need in the region. In the I-41 corridor, there's really only four facilities uh, day-by-day. One of them here in Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, Appleton, and Green Bay. That's it. So when there are homeless individuals in these other communities, they're tended to be driven or guided toward one of these four shelters. Day by Day used to operate only during the winter in space rented at an Oshkosh church. The $4.5 million project was funded in part by American Rescue Plan Act money provided by Winnebago County. May saw an Outagamie County supervisor get in hot water over comments considered by some to be transphobic. Supervisor Tim Hermes made the comments following a presentation on diversity, equity, and inclusion during the May 9th county board meeting. Supervisor Steve Thede recounted to Action 2 News what was said. Somehow there are men that are dressing up as women and going into bathrooms and changing rooms to prey on girls. And, I mean, there's absolutely no foundation to those comments. Herm has released a statement on the matter saying, quote, I have no issues with the trans community. Everybody deserves the same equality, respect, and the right to feel safe. I did nothing wrong. I have a right to free speech. I don't find it appropriate for me to be bullied for doing my job, end quote. Also in May, the NFL announced the 2025 draft would be held in Green Bay. Packers Vice President of Fan Engagement Gabriel Dow says the event will take place in and around Lambeau Field. The main stage and the NFL experience, the Green Room Media Center, Red Carpet and Fan Areas will all take place on what we're calling the Lambeau Field Campus. And the Lambeau Field Campus will include Lambeau Field, Titletown and the Resch Expo and Resch Arena. The 2025 draft will take place April 24th through the 26th. In late May, Appleton's Community and Economic Development Committee approved a development agreement with the new owners of the city center building. Fox Commons Properties plans to convert the building into mixed use with retail, health care, education, and residential units. Community Development Director Kara Homan says the city will provide tax incremental financing for the project. The development agreement caps the revenue stream at $4,357,550 over time. When you account for what that is worth as a net present value today, the incentive is about $2.5 million. The Appleton Common Council would also give its approval to the development agreement. And those were the top stories in the area for the month of May. With a look back at the month of June is Jonathan Krause. Thanks again, Terry. Early June saw fired Grand Chute Town Administrator James March sue the three supervisors that orchestrated his ouster. According to the complaint filed in Green Bay Federal Court by March, he and other employees of the town were targeted for hostility by supervisors Ron Wolf, Jeff Ings, and town chairman Jason Van Epperen after, quote, 
cooperating with the State Department of Justice investigation into illegal activities by one or more town board members, end quote. The complaint also claims that Wolf, Ings, and Van Eppern became obsessed with the DOJ investigation this spring and moved to fire march after former Supervisor Walt Nacito lost his bid for re-election and that the trio wanted to act before they lost the two-thirds majority on the board needed to fire the administrator. March also argued that his firing was a violation of his First Amendment rights to free speech. Meanwhile, a resolution on the Grand Street Town Board agenda that month would have rehired March as administrator. It was brought forward by Supervisor Beth English, who initially voted to terminate March's contract in a closed session meeting. That vote failed. Also in June, the Ottagami County Board voted to censure Supervisor Timothy Hermes of Littleshoot for comments he made about transgender people using women's bathrooms at the May 9th meeting. Board Chairman Jeff Noyan says it was just the latest in several incidents involving Hermes that resulted in questionable language. And one of the reasons I'm so adamant about wanting him censured is there's a pattern of behavior that's occurred here. And it's not just at the May 9th meeting, at the February 28th meeting, and that was just over a simple appointment to the library board, and he said offensive things. That night, Hermes doubled down on his comments from the county board meeting. I did not call anybody disgusting, but the disgusting bird, that is situational. When you have biological men going into a girl's changing room, a woman's bathroom, and all the worry and concern and fears that people have surrounding that, that is what I find disgusting, that people are stuffed worrying and have to worry about their daughters. You can find video of Chairman Nguyen reading the official censure statement on our website, whby.com. A familiar voice in the Fox Valley passed away in June. Former longtime WHBY radio news director Ray Wader died at the age of 89 after a short respiratory illness. Wader was the dean of Fox Valley News, spending 35 years here at WHBY. I would prefer to say that I don't write the news, but I try to tell a story in a conversational way. As if you and I were sitting across a table and having a cup of coffee, and I'm telling you what happened at the city council this morning. Ray was inducted into the Wisconsin Broadcasters Hall of Fame in 2002. Members of the Menominee Nation took part in a ceremony unveiling a new set of plaques around the Chief Oshkosh statue in Menominee Park. The statue is an inaccurate depiction of Oshkosh and fails to mention anything about his role as the leader of the Menominee Nation. The new plaques tell those stories and provide additional information on the history of the tribe. After months of delay, the Appleton Public Library project started moving forward again in late June. That's because revised bids came in within budget. WHBY's Terry Kavarik reported city officials credit that to a team effort of bringing costs down. The initial budget estimate for the Appleton Library project was $30 million. When the first project bids came in at the $40 million range, city and library officials and designers began tweaking the project designs in hopes of bringing costs down. That paid off last week when the revised bid package came in at just over $30.9 million, plus an increase from nearly $2.9 million to $4.27 million in the architectural contract with Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill SOM. Dean Gaza, the Director of Parks, Recreation, and Facilities Management, praised the successful effort at Monday's Special Finance Committee meeting. We had been in a position that we had overbid previously on our initial bids, and the team went to work, a uh, team of both, some city and city uh, library staff, and I commend the library staff for doing the hard work and the heavy lifting of getting it redesigned to a point where we have a, a long-term uh, library that's going to be long-term needs. The Finance Committee overwhelmingly approved the bid package and architectural contract.
Terry Kavarik, WHBY News, Appleton. At the end of June, the town of Buchanan's transportation utility fee was struck down by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The court voted unanimously against the fee as a violation of levy limits. That upheld an Ottawa County Court judge's ruling that the fee should be considered a tax and barred the town from collecting it. In 2020, the township collected $855,000 through the fee, which exceeded the town's property tax levy. The transportation fee was approved in 2019 by town of Buchanan voters and was based on the estimated vehicle trips by each property. That wraps up our look back at the top stories for the month of June. It's time for a break, but when the WHBY News Year in Review returns for our second hour, Landon Moore will detail the month of July. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the second hour of the WHBY News Year in Review Special. I'm Landon Moore. We start this segment with the top stories from the month of July. In the early part of the month, Governor Tony Evers used his line-item veto pen to make substantial changes to the new state budget. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss accused the governor of overstepping his authority. It clearly wasn't the intent of anyone in the legislature to have a property tax increase for 400 years, and that's why perhaps someone will sue, and maybe if we have a fair Supreme Court, they would follow the precedent that has been established for decades to say a governor doesn't have that power. The Democratic governor deleted a hyphen and a 20 from a reference to the 2024-25 school year, meaning school aides would increase annually for the next 400 years. Wildfires charred more than 700 acres in Washera County in early July. The Pallet Fire east of Coloma also destroyed three houses and 17 other buildings. George Boyer's cottage survived. To look at the sky when it got sort of at its height and you could see how red it was uh, that was scary that's when we really got concerned and knew that this was not just a little brush fire in, in somebody's backyard the fire is believed to have started with a resident burning debris in extremely dry conditions more than a year after an investigation into his residency and his conduct was launched by the state, prosecutors filed one felony count against Grand Chute Town board member Ron Wolf in July. Wolf is facing one count of private interest contract private capacity, which involves a public elected official using that position to enter into a private contract for personal financial benefit. The alleged crime took place on May 4th of 2021, less than a month after Wolf was first elected to the town board. He had been the subject of a state division of criminal investigation probe since 
spring of last year when he was accused of living in the town of Nichols while serving on the Grand Chute Town Board. The charge carries a prison sentence of up to three and a half years if convicted. He is scheduled to stand trial in January. Early July saw a raid on a suspected methamphetamine lab in Green Bay, resulting in the arrests of several people, including a man known internationally for publishing books on making explosives and chemical weapons. Stephen Priestler, whose pen name is Uncle Fester, was jailed on multiple counts of manufacturing and maintaining a drug house. Green Bay District 4 Alder William Gavin says Priestler's arrest came after many complaints and concerns from his South Baird Street neighbors. Complaints were disturbances, loud parties, uh, people fighting, glass breaking, people from the house in other people's backyards and stuff, drug paraphernalia being found in their yards and around on the sidewalk. You know, and then once they found out who, who he was, they, they became even more concerned uh, just because of his past history. And Galvin first became aware of Priestler's activities during his long career with the Green Bay Police Department. Some of Priestler's publications were found among a Japanese cult responsible for a deadly ricin release in a subway. A hot, dry July brought a foul odor to parts of Menasha. The channels off the Fox River became filled with algae. Phoebe Corey says the channel along Brighton Drive was a threat to public health. The channel's water is turned into a toxic green sludge that emits a foul smell reminiscent of a swamp. This alarming condition prevents us from enjoying our waterfront properties that we have invested heavily in. We pay substantial taxes to live on the waterfront, expecting clean and enjoyable surroundings for ourselves our families. Mayor Don Merkis says they were looking at ways to flush out the channels. We have been in touch with the health department and with Menasha Utilities and we are looking at the situation. We have the dry summer limited the amount of runoff making its way through Menasha's channels resulting in stagnant water. Fundraising for the new Appleton Public Library got a big boost in early July. Friends of the Appleton Public Library Executive Director Kara Sullivan says the president of Microsoft was making a big difference in his hometown. Brad Smith is our lead donor for that $12 million private philanthropic support that we need to raise for this project. So he really believes in the project and the vision of the project and what it will do for our community. Smith came back in Appleton for a groundbreaking ceremony for the library project. It took a Brown County jury just a half hour in late July to return the verdicts in the Taylor Shabusiness murder trial. We, the jury, find the defendant, Taylor Denise Shabusiness, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide as charged in count one of the information. The second verdict reads as follows. We, the jury, find the defendant, Taylor Denise Shabusiness, guilty of mutilating a corpse as charged in count two of the information. The next verdict reads, we, the jury, find the defendant, Taylor Denise Shabusiness, guilty of third-degree sexual assault as charged in count three of the information. Shabusiness choked Chad Theory into death during sex, then cut up his body at his mother's home in February of 2022. The trial then moved into a sanity phase, a point that Deputy DA Caleb Saunders said in his closing argument was crystal clear. She's telling law enforcement, how am I going to get away with this? That was her motivation for dismembering his body for a lengthy period of time after the fact, hearing footsteps upstairs worrying mom was going to find him. She's telling you she's aware of the wrongfulness of her conduct, and she's exhibiting action and volition to clean up. The same jury found Shabusiness to be sane, setting her up for a life prison sentence. 
The closing weekend of EAA AirVenture in Oshkosh ended on a deadly note. Two separate aircraft crashes injured two people and killed four others. The Winnebago County Sheriff's Communications Center received multiple calls on the Saturday of the events of a plane that crashed into Lake Winnebago. First responders recovered two bodies from what was later identified as a T-6 Texan, a two-person World War II airplane. The occupants were identified as Devin Riley of Guadalupe, Texas, and Zach Kelly Moreno. EAA spokesperson Dick Nowinski says details of the events leading up to the crash were uncertain. The investigation will look into that, uh, what the traffic was from the tower. Uh, the, the airplane was here. We don't know if they were departing or simply on a recreational flight right now. But uh, why communications was lost at that point, uh, they're going to have to determine whether it was mechanical, um, some kind of a maneuver or something else that was involved. That same day, a mid-air collision between a home-built helicopter and a gyrocopter at the south end of the EAA grounds claimed the lives of the pilot and passengers of the helicopter. They were identified as Mark Peterson of Foley, Alabama and Thomas Walls of Amelia, Ohio. Late July brought a shocking shooting in Herb Park. Hunter Erickson witnessed the shooting and described to our TV partner Action 2 News what he and others saw and heard. We hear the six gunshots go off. I think some kid unloaded the whole magazine. The pool then got evacuated into the locker rooms. They were all, the lifeguards are screaming. And then we were all like, yeah, we got to get out of here. One person was hurt. 16-year-old Kashmir Williams would be arrested and charged in connection with that shooting. And that concludes our look back at July here on the WHBY News Year in Review. With the top stories for the month of August, here again is Terry Kavark. Thanks again, Landon. Fire destroyed a longtime restaurant in Shyocton in August. Shyocton Fire Chief Dan Nabfeld says the fire at the River Rail Supper Club began in an apartment on the second floor. See too hot to get in the top story where it was. I sent our guys in and they had to back out right away because it was extremely hot up there and they couldn't get to the, the flames to do it. No one was hurt. The cause of the fire was not determined. Two undercover officers working for the Lake Winnebago Metropolitan Enforcement Group shot and killed a suspected drug dealer inside a Nina convenience store in August. One of the officers was with Appleton Police and has 15 years in law enforcement. The other was an Outagamie County Sheriff's deputy with six years of experience. The Sheboygan County Sheriff's Department, which handled the investigation, did not release the officers' names due to their undercover status. The two shot a suspect who reportedly pulled a gun during an attempted arrest at the mobile gas station on South Commercial Street. That shooting was later found to be justified. Also in August, the last of the so-called Monfile 6 was paroled. Keith Kutzka and five other James River co-workers were convicted in 1995 for their roles in the death of another co-worker, Tom Monfiles. His body was found weighted down in a pulp vat at the Green Bay Mill after he was reported missing. Monfiles' death came after he told a 911 operator about Kutzka's theft of electric wire from the mill. A recording of that call was eventually given to Kutzka and was played by Kutzka in a break room where Monfiles and five other co-workers were present. The new Nina High School opened its doors to the public in mid-August. The school cost $155 million to build and has numerous learning areas. Principal Brian Wunderlich told our TV partner Action 2 News that there is a space for every student to be excited about. I think uh, our athletes are going to be super fired up about the weight room. I think our fine arts students are going to love the auditorium and the immersive sound. The former Nina High School building became the new District Middle School. 
In late August, the Appleton School District had to make changes to a planned ninth grade meet and greet that was challenged by a conservative legal group for being racist. Here's my story from that month. The Appleton School District clarifies a freshman meet and greet scheduled for Tuesday afternoon at Appleton East High School. That follows a report from the conservative legal group Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty that the event was limited to students of color. Will also demanded the event be open to all incoming freshmen. In a statement released by the district to Appleton East ninth graders and their families, quote, the intent of the freshman meet and greet with the East Cultural Advisor emphasized the event is open and has always been open to all incoming ninth grade Appleton East students and their families, end quote. The district says the clarification was issued last week to Appleton East High School families. The district also reminded families that there are four additional opportunities designed to help incoming ninth graders prepare for the new school year and meet with staff. Terry Kavarik, WHBY News, Appleton. At the end of August, the Nina School Board accepted a new development offer for the former Shattuck Middle School property. I also had the details on that story. Investment Creations LLC submits the winning bid for the Shattuck Middle School property. The Nina Joint School District Board of Education votes Tuesday to accept the company's $500,001 purchase offer. The company is owned by Omar Sheik and has renovated other historic buildings in the city. Investment Creations offer is lower than those submitted by other bidders. However, it comes with far fewer contingencies. Board member Lori Asbury calls it a good compromise. Taking into account all of the conversation that we've had leading up to this point, as well as today's meeting, I appreciate the spirit of compromise. And I feel like this is an opportunity for compromise while meeting the needs of our community and our city and our district. Investment Creations plans call for between 50 and 60 single-family homes on the surrounding school property. The school building itself would be transformed into between 34 and 48 market-rate apartments. The school auditorium and basketball court would remain intact for community use. The wellness center would be relocated from its current location to where the current administration offices are located. However, board member Lindsay Clark still believes more information is needed. I have more answers now than I did when I, before I came in here tonight, but I still don't feel confident making a vote tonight unless we, as a board, come together one more time and discuss it. I mean, I'm concerned about, like I've said, losing control of the clinic. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about that portion of it. Not included in the sale are the tennis courts and the adjacent parking lots, which will remain the property of the Nina School District. Terry Kvarik, WHBY News, Nina. And those were the top stories from the month of August. When the WHBY News Year in Review continues, Jonathan Krause will pick up things with the month of September. Welcome back to the WHBY News Year in Review special. I'm Jonathan Krause. We resume our look back at 2023 with the top stories in the area during the month of September. September brought a major cyber attack against two Green Bay healthcare systems. HSHS and Prevea Health Systems lost their major communications and computer access. HSHS CEO Damon Boatwright says the incident was definitely a cyber attack. Based on our findings, we can confirm this was the result of a cybersecurity incident. Our ongoing investigation into the scope and impact of this incident will continue to happen. We are receiving assistance from third-party experts, and we also are working with law enforcement. We have deployed additional security measures to safeguard our systems, and we have not detected any further unauthorized access 
HSHS and Prevea said limited patient information and records were accessed in that cyber attack. Shortly after Labor Day weekend, fire caused heavy damage to a Door County resort. Crews were called to Rowley's Bay Resort in Ellison Bay to find heavy smoke and flames. Sister Bay Liberty Grove Fire Chief Chris Hecht says the loss of the resort was significant. This resort has a lot of history, right? It's been here for a very long time. There's a lot of family, Northern Door families that have worked here generationally through the resort. It's a much as much of an emotional loss for many people as it will actually be a physical loss. No one was hurt. The owners decided to sell the property and not rebuild. Mid-September saw the first step taken in building Appleton's newest park, which honors a fallen firefighter. Groundbreaking ceremonies were held for phase one of the Lungard Park on Lightning Drive. It honors Lieutenant Mitchell Lungard, who was shot and killed in 2019 by a man he'd helped revive from a drug overdose. Lindsay Lungard says her family's grateful that park planners reached out for them for input. It's been fun for all of us to be involved in the park design process. Everyone has made sure my boys had input into what they wanted to see at the park and ensured there were details included in the design that were representative of Mitch. We appreciate that this park memorializes all fallen firefighters in Appleton and is a place where the community can not only remember Mitch's sacrifice, but are constantly reminded of how hard the firefighters of the city of Appleton work every day to serve our community. Lungard Park is near Appleton Fire Station Number 6. Work is scheduled to be finished by May of 2024. The middle of September also saw a fatal road rage shooting in Winnicani. Donald Lucero of Winnicani allegedly shot another man in the head at Lake Winnicani Park following a reported traffic accident. Lucero then left the scene. Jeff Krieger lives near that park. Police came by a little later and uh, were asking questions, and I still was under the impression it was probably firecrackers. And I said, well, somebody report that somebody shooting off fireworks? He says, no, somebody was shot. And I'm going, what? Later that day, Winnicani police asked West Bend police to conduct a check on an address in that city where Lucero may be. That led to a pursuit that ended in a crash. Lucero was pronounced dead at the scene. Late September saw reconstruction of the road winding through Menominee Park in Oshkosh hit a snag. City manager Mark Roloff says crews working on Pratt Trail came across archaeological remains at the site. We're in consultation with UW-Milwaukee. Which we contact whenever we're doing any excavation of this nature. We just have to be careful. Anytime you're in a sensitive area with you know potential to excavate something, we have to be careful. Menominee Park was a known habitat for Native Americans in the area. The delay meant the reconstruction of Pratt Trail did not get done this year. Also in late September, a Green Bay woman who murdered and dismembered a man learned that she will never be free again. Taylor Shabusiness was sentenced in Brown County Court to life in prison without the possibility of parole for first-degree intentional homicide, mutilation of a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault. Shabusiness choked Shad Therian to death during sex, then cut up his body and hid the pieces in the basement of his mother's home in February of 2022. When asked whether she wanted to address the court in her own defense, Shabusiness declined. So, Ms. Business, this is your opportunity to address me. If there's anything on your mind you'd like to say before I pass sentence. No, there isn't. Okay. Judge Thomas Walsh cited the gruesome nature of the crime in denying Shabusiness any chance at release. This crime offends human decency, it offends human dignity, and it offends the human community. It really does. When life is taken from a person in the fashion that it was in this case where the victim's remains are are cut up and packaged in containers. It's difficult to identify a human nature in those activities. It it really is. The sentencing hearing started a half hour late, and when Shabusiness entered the courtroom, she was wearing a spit hood over her face. 
In September, we learned that an Oshkosh school official was unable to cash his paycheck at an area bank on which the account was drawn, possibly due to racist reasons. Sam Coleman, an African-American, was recently hired as the assistant superintendent for instruction in Oshkosh when he tried to cash his first paycheck at an associated bank branch on West 20th Avenue in July. He was turned away. Coleman was told it was against bank policy. He told Action 2 News he asked for an explanation. I've cashed checks at banks before, um, including associated bank, and so I knew that what he was saying wasn't true. So I asked what policy uh, is it that he was referring to? Um, I never got uh, a clear answer about what policy he's referring to, just that I, he wasn't going to be able to cash the check. Coleman's paycheck was drawn on the school district's account with Associated Bank. He says he was then able to cash the check at another bank with no problem. Coleman received an apology from Associated. The incident led the Oshkosh School Board to seek another financial institution to handle their accounts. Also in September, the city of Nina approved changes to the city's yard sign ordinance. The alterations stem from a lawsuit filed by residents who were told to remove yard signs opposing the rezoning of the Shattuck Middle School property for development of high-density housing last year. Tim and Megan Florick claimed the ordinance violated their First Amendment rights. The judge presiding over the case issued a preliminary injunction in April preventing the city from enforcing the ordinance or issuing fines. Deputy Director of Community Development Brad Schmidt said the changes would only allow regulations on size, location, or sign construction, while other regulations risk infringing on free speech. A yard sign, as an example, uh, is regulated different than a real estate sign, which is regulated differently than a campaign sign. Because you have to read the content of those signs, that really is against that Supreme Court decision. The proposed changes included doing away with specific requirements and time limits based on the nature of the sign itself. All yard signs would be allowed for only 30 days of any 90-day period. And those were the top stories from the month of September. Now here is Landon Moore with a look back at the month of October. Thanks again, Jonathan. In early October, three Nina residents were accused of stealing thousands of dollars worth of merchandise from stores throughout northeast Wisconsin. The three were wanted by Manitowoc police after more than $2,000 in goods were taken from the Walmart in that city. They were identified as Brandon Riley, Jade Sprang, and Alan Ritchie. The retailer had been investigating the trio for similar thefts at a number of other stores in Wisconsin. Manitowoc Assistant Police Chief Jason Freebooth says the suspects targeted out-of-town stores in hopes of not being recognized. A lot of times what we're seeing is that people will travel to other cities in hopes that it would be harder for people to recognize them or for them to be identified. An initial attempt to arrest the suspects in Nina was unsuccessful. U.S. Marshals apprehended the three without incident. Protesters took to the UW Oshkosh campus in October, unhappy with staff cuts and furloughs. All employees of the school were required to take two weeks of unpaid time off this school year, while another 200 instructors and administrators were laid off. The protesters wanted cuts to administration rather than reduction in teaching staff. Professor of Sociology organizer Paul Van Auken says preserving a high-quality education is important. That's why we're here, is to preserve that, a high-quality education that's affordable to the students that deserve that. And we're not getting it right now. The UW system isn't being funded like it should be. UWO was facing an $18 million budget deficit this year. In October, Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford announced he will seek a second term in office. Woodford says there is still a lot of work to do. Uh, we have work to do when it comes to public safety in our community. Uh, we have a goal to increase, again, increase the service level uh, of our fire department uh, to get to paramedic engine companies. 
and uh, more work to do when it comes to modernizing the city's uh, infrastructure, both digital infrastructure, so our IT services, our website, the things that our, our residents rely on every day, but also maintaining our physical infrastructure. The mayoral election is April 2nd. Mid-October saw a Menasha police officer involved in a fatal shooting. Officers with the Menasha and Fox Crossing Police Departments were dispatched to a domestic disturbance in the 1100 block of Geneva Road. When they arrived, they encountered a man armed with what was described as bladed weapons. A Menasha officer then fired their firearm at the man, striking him. Officers began life-saving measures on the man that were unsuccessful. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The Winnebago County District Attorney's Office would later find that shooting was justified. October 7th brought shocking news of the Hamas attack on civilians in southern Israel. Rabbi Shana Bakarak with Israel Temple in Green Bay says many of her members had relatives still in Israel. These aren't strangers. These are people we know and care about, and not just the Jewish community, I mean the whole country. Rabbi Michael Feinstein from Shabbat of the Bay Area says his members were trying to come to grips with why it happened. A lot of people ask the unanswerable question of why. Why should innocent people be killed for no reason? Why should there be war in the first place? And beyond the fact that we obviously can't answer that and that's in God's hands, the fundamental answer is what do we do going forward? Israel would eventually launch counterattacks against Hamas in Gaza, which continues today. In mid-October, the Appleton Area School District broke ground on Sandy Slope Elementary. The school will be located near Appleton North High School and have capacity for 600 students. Superintendent Greg Harches says the site was part of district planning for more than 20 years. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 99, the district bought this property, knowing that there would be growth out in this area of our district, and there has been. So we have significant growth, and we had a capacity issue at all of our northern elementary schools, and we think this is obviously going to help us resolve that. Sandy Slope Elementary will be a two-story building featuring classrooms organized into grade-level pods. The school is expected to open in time for the 2025-26 academic year. In late October, the bevy bottleless water dispenser produced by Plexus Corp in Appleton was named the coolest thing made in Wisconsin. The product captured the title in this year's Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce Contest. CEO Todd Kelsey says the bevy combines technology and conservation. It combines innovation and sustainability. From an innovation standpoint, it can do 40,000 40, different varieties of flavored water out of it. And from a sustainability standpoint, the bevy customers cumulatively have saved over 400 million single-use water bottles. So you think about that, but that's enough to go around the, the planet twice. The bevy beat out Newski's Bacon, Aaron's Snow Throw, and Thorough Good Safety Boots in the final round of online voting.
In late October, the Appleton Public Library announced it would move to a second temporary location. Due to a new tenant in the former Best Buy building on South Kensington Drive, the library is moving to the former Habitat for Humanity Restore on East College Avenue. Library Director Colleen Wortvet says they will have less space to work with at their new home. Temporary location at Kensington is around 24, 25,000 square feet. The square footage at the 3000 East College Avenue location is about 18,000 square feet. Some of that square footage is going to need to be set aside for the work that needs to be done to prep the space. So we do not anticipate that we will have that entire area. The library will move into its new space in January and use the site through at least the end of 2024. Near the end of October, a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit filed by Grand Chute Town Supervisor Ron Wolf against state agents who searched his properties. Judge William Conley ruled that the 19 agents of the State Department of Justice and the Division of Criminal Investigation enjoyed qualified immunity for their actions on March 22nd of 2022. Wolf and his wife alleged their constitutional rights against illegal search were violated and that the agents roughed them up while serving the warrants. The DCI was investigating whether Wolf was a legal resident of Grand Chute while serving on the town board. You can find a copy of Judge Conley's ruling on our website, whpwine.com. Meanwhile, a former town of Grand Chute supervisor filed an ethics complaint against the woman who defeated him for re-election. The complaint was filed with Wisconsin Ethics Commission by Walt Nocito. He alleges Supervisor Beth English violated a closed session by providing information to former town administrator Jim March during a vote to terminate his contract May 2nd. She then voted to rehire March in a vote a month later. Nocito claims English acted in a way to avoid being named in a federal lawsuit for her vote to dismiss March. In an interview with our TV partner, Interaction 2 News, March's attorney, Michael Fox, dismissed allegations English changed her vote as part of a deal. I've reviewed the complaint and as it, insofar as it uh, purports to suggest some sort of deal was made, it's complete rubbish and it's ironic that it's made by an individual who spent the better part of the year complaining about the Department of Justice investigation and whether it had any basis. This is just simply a baseless complaint. Court documents filed by March's attorney claim English was pressured to vote to terminate March during a closed session meeting by three other town supervisors. And that completes our look back at the month of October. I'm Landon Moore, and I wish all of you a happy and prosperous new year. When the WHBY News Year in Review special returns, Terry Kivark will recap the top stories from the month of November. Welcome back to the WHBY News Year in Review Special. I'm Terry Kavarik. We resume our look back at the year with top stories from the month of November. In the early part of the month, state and local officials celebrated the completion of the expansion of State Highway 15 between Greenville and New London. Outagamie County Executive Tom Nelson says the county's determination to improve safety helped make the project happen. On this stretch, there were a lot of people, unfortunately, that got hurt. And yes, in some cases, there were fatalities. And this community wanted to do something about it. And we worked hard. We got a lot of pushback. We heard no a lot. But we kept at it. And that is what got us to this day. The project involved expanding 11 miles of 15 from two lanes to four, including creating a bypass around Hortonville. Also in early November, Oshkosh officials announced they were facing a serious threat to their water utility operations heading into the winter. 
Public Works Director James Robbie said the main intake line from Lake Winnebago is filling with sediment and the state won't let them clean it out. We've been working with contractors and the DNR to try to get a cleaning process permitted. Unfortunately, it's been a very frustrating process with the DNR. Through the first six months of meetings, every time we had a meeting, they threw new stuff at us that we had to deal with. So it's been a very frustrating process with the DNR to try to get this permitted. Uh, We still do not have it permitted. Robbie adds the sediment buildup in the main pipeline makes it susceptible to freezing during the winter, meaning water could not be drawn from the lake. The DNR would eventually provide the city permits for the clean-out project, which continues this week. In November, Fox Crossing officials asked the state for additional tax dollars at the expense of Winnebago County to handle law enforcement on Interstate 41. The village asked the State Department of Revenue to exceed their revenue cap by $160,000 next year to hire another officer to replace service the Sheriff's Department used to provide. Village Administrator Jeffrey Sturgill says it has been overwhelming. We already have had over 1,000 calls. I'm talking about from April 1st, 2023 to October 1st, 2023. We're averaging 5.6 calls a day up on the highway, hundreds and hundreds of hours of officer time up there. So it's significant. If Fox Crossing had been allowed the excess tax levy amount, Winnebago County would have seen its levy decrease by the same $160,000. The DOR rejected that request. Mid-November saw a Kakana neighborhood seeking answers after a stray dog it cared for is put down. Duke was found in October and was later turned over to the Fox Valley Humane Association with the hope that he would be adopted. Shara Green was one of the neighbors who cared for Duke. When we called to check the status and were told he was euthanized for behavioral issues, we were brokenhearted. We felt like we handed this dog over to these people that euthanized him and it, it was just devastating. It was, it was horrible. The Fox Valley Humane Association explained the situation in a Facebook post, saying it could not find a suitable foster home for Duke after identifying behavioral and medical concerns. The association also apologized for not creating a better outcome. In the middle of November, Theta Care unveiled detailed plans for their proposed micro-hospital in downtown Oshkosh. The facility will feature 18 beds, a surgery center, and medical offices along the Fox River at Oregon Street. Senior Vice President Lynn Detterman says the location makes sense for physicians and patients. The majority of residents of Oshkosh live on the east side of 41, whereas the hospitals are over on the west side. And so, and 45% of the emergency department visits over on the west side represent the east side residents. That means there may be a barrier to care there. The Oshkosh Plan Commission and Common Council have approved the site design plans. You can find them on our website, whby.com. Also in November, Governor Tony Evers signed a bipartisan package to fund improvements at American Family Field and keep the brewers in Milwaukee through 2050. Reporter Bob Haig had the details. In the state Senate Tuesday, disagreement between members of the same parties. Milwaukee Democrat Chris Larson called the bill a wild pitch. So I would say we let it go by. We wait for the right pitch. Democratic Minority Leader Melissa Agard of Madison. Imagine Milwaukee and Wisconsin without the Brewers. Last-minute amendments helped the bill clear the Senate on a 19-14 bipartisan vote. A companion measure funding ballpark improvements passed on an identical vote. At the Capitol, Bob Haig, Wisconsin Radio Network. 
Just in time for Thanksgiving, an expansion of St. Vincent de Paul's food pantry in Nina was completed. The expansion brings the pantry to nearly 30,000 square feet and includes a new 40-foot walk-in freezer and cooler. Director of Operations Jeremy Pingle says they no longer have to worry about having enough food for those in need. It is heartbreaking when we don't have enough to feed everybody that comes in, and that's not going to be a problem. St. Vincent de Paul has seen increased demand for food throughout the year. In late November, Menasha Mayor Don Merkus announced he will not seek re-election in 2024. Merkus says he looks forward to seeing the next generation build upon what Menasha has accomplished. We see kind of the great change in attitude about people in Menasha and our new pride in the community and the schools, and I think that can keep moving forward. I've done a big part of it, and I want to let the next person do their thing now. Merkus has served as Menasha's mayor since 2008. He was also in Alder for three years. Nina Mayor Jane Lang shelved plans for a new fire station in November. The city is now looking to remodel Station 31 on Breezewood Lane rather than build a new station. Mayor Lang told Haley Tenpass on Focus Fox Valley that refurbishment makes more sense. Obviously, building costs have skyrocketed, and we determined that it would be in the best interest of the city to refurbish the building that we have. Remodeling the fire station is expected to save Nina taxpayers $5 million. And as the holiday travel season got underway, Appleton International Airport broke ground on a major expansion project. Director Abe Weber says the main concourse will be expanded by about 47,000 square feet. What we're really excited about is elevating our customer experience, and we're going to do that through additional hold room space, upgrading and refreshing our restrooms, adding concession programs to really make sure that Appleton Airport is the fastest, easiest, and most convenient airport in northeast Wisconsin. The expansion will also bring the number of gates at ATW to 10. Work is expected to wrap up in late 2025 or early 2026. Those were the biggest stories in our area for the month of November. I'm Terry Kowarik, and I'd like to wish all of you a happy and healthy New Year. To wrap up the WHBY News Year in Review, here is Jonathan Krause. Thanks again, Terry. The start of December brought a lawsuit that sought to end Act 10 in Wisconsin, which limits the bargaining power of public sector unions. Former Governor Scott Walker, who signed Act 10 into law in 2011, says undoing it would have negative consequences throughout the state. Undoing Act 10 will not take things back to the way they were. This lawsuit would cause irreparable damage uh, to our schools and to our counties and our local governments across the state. And I hope people will realize that's what's at stake. The lawsuit was filed seven months after the election of Justice Janet Protasiewicz to the state Supreme Court, which gave that court a 4-3 liberal majority. Also in early December, a Grandview Town Board member being sued by the former town administrator filed a counterclaim. Former Administrator James March is suing Supervisors Ronald Wolf and Jeffrey Ings, along with Town Chairman Jason Van Epperen, for wrongful termination following his firing without cause earlier this year. In papers filed in Green Bay Federal Court, Wolf accuses March of entrapping him into potential illegal activity on the board and forming political alliances against him. Wolf claims March was aware that a town contract awarded to Wolf's Lakeshore Cleaners could have violated state statutes on an elected official benefiting from a public contract, but did not advise against its approval. 
Wolf also alleges that March provided information on that contract to state investigators who were looking into Wolf's legal residency in the winter of 2022. This summer, Wolf was charged with a felony in connection with that contract. The supervisors also accused March of flip-flopping on issues discussed in private with Wolf and then, quote, embarrassing him with different statements during public meetings. In the countersuit, Wolf demands March not only pay his legal fees for the federal wrongful termination lawsuit, but also for his pending criminal case. You can find that filing on our website, whby.com. As expected, a Dane County judge ruled in early December that an 1849 Wisconsin law does not ban consensual abortions. Reporter Bob Haig had the details. But Judge Diane Schlipper on Tuesday found there was no need to issue an injunction barring enforcement of the law because the three district attorneys in Dane, Sheboygan, and Milwaukee counties named as defendants in the case had all pledged to abide by her ruling. Schlipper had indicated over the summer that she would issue a final decision, finding that the 1849 law did not bar consensual abortions. Not long after that, Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin again began offering abortion services in Milwaukee and Madison, and Planned Parenthood said it will now resume services in Sheboygan as soon as possible. Bob Haig, Wisconsin Radio Network. In mid-December, the federal government announced it will provide a planning grant for a potential passenger train line through the Fox Valley. Reporter Ted Allen had those details. Senator Tammy Baldwin said the state will get $2.5 million in grants for five new routes that have been selected as priorities for passenger rail expansion. The routes include expanding the existing Hiawatha service between Milwaukee and Chicago to Green Bay and adding more service to the Milwaukee to Chicago route. The expansion plans would also include routes connecting Milwaukee, Madison, and Eau Claire, as well as Eau Claire and the Twin Cities, and another connecting Chicago to St. Paul by way of La Crosse. Each route will get a half-million-dollar grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation's Corridor ID program for development and planning. Ted Allen, Wisconsin Radio Network. Initial plans for the passenger rail line would include stops in Appleton, Oshkosh, and Fond du Lac. For much of December, a large pine tree usually decorated for the season in Appleton City Park remained dark. Mayor Jake Woodford says crews getting ready to decorate it ran into some serious issues. The DPW team was going through the decorations for the tree in City Park. It was discovered that there are some pieces missing and, and also some of the strings of lights are no longer working. So it may seem like a simple task, but lighting a tree that size uh, is no small undertaking. So our colleagues in DPW are evaluating that, figuring out what they'll need to do to replace either the strands of lights that are down for the count or if we need to replace them all. The City Park tree was eventually lit the week of Christmas. Mid-December brought an announcement by U.S. Venture that it would relocate its corporate headquarters to the 222 building on College Avenue in downtown Appleton. Five years ago, U.S. Venture announced it would build new offices on the bluff overlooking the Fox River along Lawrence Street. Fox City's Chamber of Commerce President Becky Bartosik told me on your news now that could still happen in the future. It's a short-term decision that they won't be on the bluff. Long-term, they could actually still end up on that location. They're just making a move so that they're making a bigger investment downtown Appleton and in the Fox Cities, and we'll be able to relocate their entire team downtown College Avenue sooner than building out the bluff. U.S. Venture cited high construction costs in its decision to move into an existing building. The city of Appleton previously condemned a church and a restaurant on the bluff's site and tore them down in anticipation of the U.S. Venture project.
December also saw the Trout Museum of Art unveil the designs for its new building in downtown Appleton. The museum is relocating to the 300 block of East College Avenue on property owned by Lawrence University. The design features 100,000 square feet of space in two stacked rectangles. Trout officials say the building will redefine downtown Appleton's skyline. Meanwhile, Lawrence President Lori Carter says they received $10 million from an anonymous donor for their share of the project cost. This gift um, covers the academic space for the building. The Trout is bringing its own resources to the, to the building for its floor. They're on the first floor. And then the second and third floors of the building are market rate apartments, which will generate revenue to cover their costs. The college will use space in the new building for its conservancy of music, along with classrooms and computer science and math. Work on the project will begin next March and should be completed by September of 2025. You can check out the design on our website, whby.com. Late December saw a critical do-over vote by the University of Wisconsin Board of Regents. Reporter Bob Haig had details. The Regents reversed course Wednesday, approving a deal with Assembly Speaker Robin Voss to reassign some diversity, equity, and inclusion positions on campuses and place a hold on new DEI hires for two years. That's an exchange for important financial considerations, including raises for some 34,000 UW system employees. The Regents rejected the very same deal in a 9-8 vote on Saturday, President Karen Walsh, Vice President Amy Blomenfeld-Bogust, and Student Regent Jennifer Statton all changed their votes to support the deal. Bob Haig, Wisconsin Radio Network. Late in the year, the town of Grand Chute selected its next administrator. Richard Downey had most recently served as Assistant City Administrator in Altoona and was also City Manager of Cronenwetter for 10 years. He would succeed Jeff O'Dell, who took over as Interim Administrator following the firing of Jim March without cause back in May. The week before Christmas brought tragedy for a Wyiga family. Daniel, Fabian, Lillian, and Daniela Gonzalez were killed when their vehicle was struck by a wrong-way driver along Highway 10. Scott Farmer was charged with four counts of homicide by intoxicated use of a vehicle and one count of operating while intoxicated fifth offense. During an initial appearance, 23 members of the victim's family were in attendance, including Paulina Schilling, the mother of the four siblings, who spoke through an interpreter. Sus recuerdos siempre van a vivir conmigo. Yo como mamá estoy con el corazón roto en este momento. I have my heart broken in this moment. Her memories will live with me forever. Pero siento. But I feel. Que Dios está conmigo. That God is with me. Y él me va a dar las suficientes fuerzas para seguir adelante. And he will give me the strength I need to continue forward. You can find links to GoFundMe pages to help the family on our website, whby.com. In late December, paraprofessionals working in the Oshkosh School District revealed they're the victims of physical abuse in the classroom. Stephanie Dronsky, a breast cancer survivor, says she quit her job earlier this year after an attack by a student required second breast reconstruction. Students with severe behaviors are taking away from the opportunity of other students to excel. We can't keep turning a blind eye to this. It's a huge disservice to our children. And for that, shame on you. The level of verbal abuse, physical abuse, and assaults on our paraprofessionals on a daily basis is deplorable. We get kicked, spit on, sworn at, punched, bitten, things thrown at you, and yet we're expected to come into work every day and do it all over again 
with no support. The paraprofessional group in the Oshkosh School District also filed a petition demanding $3 pay raises. The Oshkosh School District issued a statement saying it is looking into reported incidents of physical abuse and is looking at ways to improve paraprofessional compensation. Just before the holidays, a group of concerned citizens and local politicians gathered outside the National Railroad Museum in Ashwaubenon to protest the inclusion of a tree from the Satanic Temple of Wisconsin during its Festival of Trees. The group included Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher. Here you have people that are not just speaking out because they're Christians and because it's Christmas, but they're just common sense Wisconsinites that don't want to be assaulted by nonsense. The museum said it's following anti-discrimination laws and allowing the tree to stay. Wisconsin Public Service and Festival Foods would pull their sponsorship of the tree display. And the year ended with the Wisconsin Supreme Court overturning Republican-drawn legislative maps and ordering the legislature to draw new ones. Reporter Linda Kenyon had the story. The state's highest court overturned Republican-drawn legislative maps and ordered them to be redrawn. The liberal-controlled court sided with Democrats who argued the maps were unconstitutional because district boundaries were not contiguous. The maps, which have been in effect in Wisconsin since 2011, have helped Republicans build large majorities in the state. The ruling comes less than a year before the 2024 election in a battleground state where four of the six past presidents presidential elections have been decided by fewer than 23,000 votes. Linda Kenyon, CBS News. And that completes the WHBY News Year in Review special for 2023. My thanks to Landon Moore and Terry Kavarik for their help in producing this year's show. I would also like to thank Carol Patrizzi and Aaron Grishay for their contributions to the WHBY Multimedia Journalism Department this year. You can listen to this show anytime you want on our website, whby.com, under the Beyond the News tab. Again, I'm Jonathan Krause, and all of us at WHBY wish you a safe and prosperous new year. We look forward to bringing you the best in local news coverage throughout 2024.